This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. But you know, I'm here with my only friends. And that includes my boy, Tortue! But you know, the Tortue is pretty upset today. Mm. Today is a day where we, we take a moment of, for the of- Pittsburgh Pirates season that looks so good. Looked so good in the first <sighs> six games. Poor, poor O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz a is a rising out. star, phenom, ten tool player. He's also a falling star. Yes, <laughs> he has shattered his ankle Damn. and he is out for probably four months at oh least. My God. And if they don't just shut him down for the season, not sure. Right. But you know, we move on. There's always next year. The ship will battle. We'll rage on. You know, we also have some other guests in the building. What is popping, sidekick? <laughs> just, just once, I was hoping to be your friend. You know, just once. I also thought you were going to be talking about. Uh, I thought Brian was going to be upset because OBJ signed with the Ravens. Oh, that, won't matter when they don't have a quarterback. No, I'm still I trying mean, to get over uh, Taylor's breakup with her boyfriend. <laughs> That's, There's a lot of things Brian, happening in my life right now. My whole world is crumbling uh, around me. Crumbling. Imagine something happens on Housewives tonight. Crumbling? That sounds it. like an opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Eh, take it up with Michelle. She'll be fine with it. <laughs> it's true. We were talking about it in the grocery store yesterday morning. Yep. Yeah, I ran into Conrad. That's uh, the good old uh, local Smith. Yep. Yep. I will say this long, this hair down look for you, Conrad, I like it. Well, he's got my hair down. I like the aesthetic. I don't. Sometimes do it's you? not. I don't think he does. I don't think you do either. Not on the podcast usually, just because it's like the morning. My hair is usually wet. But yeah. It's eighty-three degrees outside and happened to dry up on the way over here. Brad, that spring was nice, huh? We had we had a nice <laughs> three days <laughs> of yep, spring. Three days, yep. More right in the fucking summer. summer. Yep, going to be ninety tomorrow. AC's on. Ninety degrees. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sweating their balls off. <laughs> my fucking hands are sweating right now. I got the heat on. Yeah. Literally, we just turned the heat off two days ago. Now it's ninety. Yeah, it's fuck absurd. you, Vegas. No, it, it, it was. It literally was like four days ago. The low was thirty-four. I know. Thirty-four degrees, know. And, and now it's ninety. It's I know. Wow. Now I need to find a way to make up for the cold plunges I can no longer have in the pool. I I'm think happy. it's time. I can I can wear my my tank tops to the gym and walk, and it's not a problem. That's true. Uh, I, I'm upset that of all the crazy fitness phase things that you've gotten onto, you you haven't gotten into the cold ice baths yet because I would love. To not have to have the burden of paying 10k for a cold tub myself. Like if you want to split that, I'm I'm here for you. That was where the money was going to go when uh, you finished playing Airball Rick. Oh, we're buying a cold tub. Sure. Okay. We should have money, but for that. Yeah, we should have money for that. I think we'll have money for that. <laughs> That's if uh, he's not sick. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know that this match is ever going to end. Yeah, it will. Like 2032. I I mean, bro. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, I don't know if he's really sick, uh, but I do know that he has declared that his Tuesdays through Fridays are booked from now until forever. So there's no time to make these matches up. That's a stark contrast from being able to play you every day for 30 days straight for a month. Yeah, he got real busy. Real busy after the first three sessions. Um, Not really sure why. I mean, it's not like, you know... He doesn't have the biggest edge in the world, according to himself and 
all those willing to back his side, I, I, I'm chomping at the fucking bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready to get out there, man. I don't, I don't know what's taking so long. I imagine this is tactical. It's really hard for it not to be, right? Like the guy comes in, gets mopped for three days, wins a couple lucky hands to make sure that it's still close, and then goes home and goes, fuck. Like, I bit off more than I can chew here. Daddy Doug, where you at? I need you, baby. I need you back in my life. Show me the sims. Show me the way. I, I'm just using erratic random bet sizes. Tell me what the sizes are for each street. Help me, Doug. Help me. And Doug goes, you're beyond reproach. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Hire someone else. Yeah, so here we are. I guess next time you're going to play us in a couple weeks because of the academy. I honestly don't know. Um, we're scheduled to play Saturday. Uh, so we're supposed to get in one day next weekend. I would love to play sometime during this week. I'm really hoping that Phil is going to make some sort of ruling on this. Uh, is there and, a time frame on that? Uh, I mean, like when we're, we're he makes Phil, a ruling. We're on Phil's time, bro. <laughs> the fact that he's even still willing to be an arbitrator in all of this is, uh, I mean, the guy's a saint. I, I can't say enough, enough good things about him. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that he makes some sort of ruling on this where we can start to make these matches up because like backloading all these matches are so silly like obviously we both have the same opportunity to study so it's not like as if uh you know him being able to put in hours is unequivalent to me being able to put in hours but the problem is is that us both raw my win rate was astronomical like he's just so fucking bad at poker and like doesn't understand pretty much anything other than have the nuts if you're going to play a 2,000 big blind pot. Like, that's basically his... And then flex on you. Yeah, that's like the grasp of, of what he understands poker-wise. And somehow, like, you know, everybody's managed to believe this to be some sort of superpower. Like, oh my god, Nick Airball, he's just crushing out there. You see, you see these big pots he plays? He always has it. Like, yeah. Yeah, he always has it. Pretty easy to get around. Um, but now, you know, if he gets... It's going to be... We're going to play one match over the course of like 24 days, uh, assuming that we play on Saturday. And that 23 days off that he has in between, you know, there's a lot that can be accomplished. And sure, I'll learn heads up, no limit, hold him a lot better over those 23 days as well. But it's diminishing returns compar comparatively speaking, right? Like he'll close the gap far more, even if I'm continually getting better, just based off the fact that like, you know, this guy was C-betting 100% of flops on day one. It's like, and there's a learning curve, right? Right. Like, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty steep learning curve, and the things that you're going to learn out of the gate are going to negate a lot of the edge that I potentially had. So, I mean, you know, it's like one sick weekend may have saved him six figures in EV. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking nice whenever you're the one out there calling someone a scammer and a fraud, touting your ability to come in and mop the fucking floor with him. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because EV isn't quantifiable in that way. So it's just kind of speculating and guessing of how right. much money is being saved. Well, but it's just a matter of like guessing what my win rate was now versus what it will be once we're both a little more trained up. Right. If you could put this in real dollar amounts and let's just say the number was somewhere between 50 and 100K, mm. people would be a lot more receptive to the idea of this is really fucked. Yeah. But because that's not necessarily even true to begin with right it's just oh you're making excuses and he's accepted all your terms and you've accepted none of his and 
That's kind of not the point, because the spirit of the bet was, you suck at poker, you're a scammer, I'm going to beat you in heads up, no limit, and I'm going to show how bad you are, and now it's, okay, we're going to play once in 23 days, and hopefully I can get a little bit better. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's, yeah, I mean, you know. Poor form, if you will. <laughs> it is what it is, man. This guy was getting fucking slaughtered. Uh, ChatGPT apparently has caught wind of this. Mm -hmm. My man Baruzzi out there asked ChatGPT to write a script about the airball Berkey matchup. And I got to tell you, it's fucking good. Everybody's talking about Berkey and airball. But I was curious what artificial intelligence thinks about this, right? We got this picture, right? Like everyone knows what this is about. I just had this random thought that Berkey looks like this jacked light bulb. Nick airball is obviously just this like trash talking shit storm. In my head, he's just a turd NATO. I was like, all right, this is the nicknames I'm gonna give these guys. And I'm gonna go ask ChatGPT to write me a script. And I specifically said, write me a poker drama script about a jacked light bulb and a turd NATO. It shouldn't get much attention, but it ends up captivating a whole community due to boredom before World Series 2023. This is the result. It's truly un unbelievable. <laughs> it basically predicts what happened. It's just a bot that's creating the script. My favorite part from this, Berkey at one point says, I'll raise a light bulb. And then Turdnado replies with, I'm gonna raise a turd. It's so accurate. I mean, I'm going to put the whole script. You guys can check it out and see for yourself. This is this is truly something else. All right. I, I was just going to post the script, strip, uh, script, but I actually think it's worth reading. Um, and initially, my instinct said, this is Conrad's moment to shine. Oh, I have to read something? Where is it? But, but I've, I've thought better. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is. Fade in. We're in the poker room during the day. The atmosphere is tense as players anxiously wait for the World Series of Poker 2023 to start. But in one corner of the room, there are two players who seem to be generating quite a buzz. Jack Lightbulb, a muscular man in his early 30s, is seated across from Turdnado, a disheveled looking man in his late 40s. They are playing a game of Texas Hold'em, but there's something different about this game. The other players at the table look bored, but then something happens that catches their attention. Jack Lightbulb to Turdnado. You know what? I'll raise you. My light bulb. <laughs> Turdnado confused. What? Jack light bulb grinning. My light bulb. It's worth more than your chips anyway. The players start to murmur, wondering what's going on. The other play. Oh, wait. I just read that. <laughs> Turdnado mockingly. Sure, why not? I'll see your light bulb and I'll raise you. My turd. <laughs> the other players gasp in disgust. Jack Lightbulb amused. Your what? My turd. The one I dropped in the bathroom earlier. It's worth more than your light bulb anyway. <laughs> Ishan, go retrieve my turd. Damn, bro. The other players can't believe what they're hearing. They start to gather around the table, curious to see how this will play out. Jack Lightbulb. Fine, I'll call your turd. Let's see what you've got. Turdnado reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small plastic bag containing his turd. <laughs> the other players recoil in disgust, but Jack Lightbulb seems unfazed. All right, let's see if my Lightbulb can beat your turd. The game continues with Jack Lightbulb and Turdnado betting their unique items alongside their chips. The other players can't help but watch, transfixed on the absurdity of the situation. As the game goes on, the bets get higher and higher. Jack Lightbulb raises with his car keys. Tornado calls with his dirty underwear. 
The other players can't believe what they're seeing, but they can't look away either. Finally, the game comes to an end. Jack Lightbulb and Tornado reveal their cards, and the crowd erupts in cheers. Jack Lightbulb smirking. Looks like my lightbulb beats your turd. <laughs> Tornado shrugging. Guess so. But hey, at least I didn't lose my dignity. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's pretty this, accurate. This is this is the future of of blockbuster cinema for good thing, sure. Good thing nobody listens to this podcast. I mean, if compliment, if you're out there, I think we just found the script for mm -hmm. Rounders too. Yep, I think this is it. Tornado needs to go down the same way KGB burned. Yep, there's no pivot off of this. Oh. We're just stuck here for the rest <laughs> of the show. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> we're just we're oh. right in Tornado Land from now until the end of time. Uh, so the match will continue, I guess, uh, Saturday. Me and Tornado will be battling it out for six and a half hours. Uh, I mean, at a minimum, I guess I'm going to push to try to lengthen the session. Maybe try to get it to be like 10 hours if possible. Mm. I don't know. We need to do something. I need to get these fucking hours in while this guy still stinks. Uh <laughs> That that like a tornado, if you will. Um, moving on to some other news that that popped off. Uh, see, Connie's out there in the Twitter streets. Mm. He's got an opinion on some things. What day? Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> was the tech was it sent before nine a.m.? It, it was not. This was yesterday, and uh, you and I had a brief conversation about it. And I was kind of like, eh, I see their point. And then the one and only goat Phil Galfon dropped his two cents and oh. basically echoed yours. I know. I saw that. I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm on the right path here. Well, I don't know actually. <laughs> um, yeah. So I put out a tweet the other day about the San Antonio thing. Um, yeah. So to catch everybody up on what he's uh, referring to, there was a card house in San Antonio, San Antonio Palace. And they had a bad beat jackpots, unclear for how much, um, where quads lost to a straight flush. And they nullified the bad beat because A, the hand was exposed before all action was complete. <coughs> Number two, players with the, or the player with the losing hand did not say call verbally or with emotion. And number three, the player saw he had a losing hand after he was shown the exposed card, then pushes his chips in. Uh, we want to express the importance of abiding by the house rules while maintaining the integrity of the game promotion. You don't like that. I sat on it for a day and a half. Mm. And, and then? And then I blew up. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about it. So, like, this is, like, a weird situation because it's not a casino. Like, it's a card room. So, it's a very house t game type of vibe. Like, I, w I went around <laughs> and thought about this again last night. Like, it's a very house game type of vibe. So, like, when there's a scenario where... Quads is never folding. Right. Like, Quads is absolutely 100% never folding. And he, all he did was flip over his cards and then put, push the money forward. He doesn't need to say call. Like, that is a call. Right. He calls 100%. He's like, holy shit, we just hit it. It's like, so to me, the only way that, like, the only reason for not paying them out is if the money wasn't on hand. Or they just want to keep their uh, like promoting um, their bad beat to you know get some more uh, action. Yeah, get yeah, some more action in the room. Yeah, Galfon kind of echoed the same sentiments, basically saying like quads is never folding. This is an obvious must pay situation. Uh, I don't want to speculate as to why they didn't pay. Um, Me neither, but you know. I mean, you just did. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm here. Honestly, it's 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 reasonable speculation. I think. Uh, I mean, I've. You should, as as a casino house, you should be encouraged, like you're encouraged to pay these promotions out, right? Of course. Outside of the fact that, uh, you know, they are, assuming that they're an in 
in an interest-bearing account, which I don't know if they're they're segregating funds or not. I don't know if they're you know I don't know their business. Basically, Man, nobody segregates funds. Well, if we're, talking, <laughs> if we're talking about a casino, like if we're actually talking about a casino, this this would be on the up and up. Now, I my immediate pushback was you know at casinos they're pretty strict about this type of shit. Yeah, and they'll go to the cameras. Like I used to play at Red Rock way back in the day, like 2009 and 2010, and if you were at a Babby qualifying table, like you technically weren't allowed to speak about it, but they left it up to the dealers to police it. And the dealers know they're getting a fat tip. So they kind of didn't care, mm -hmm. but like you couldn't go so far as to say like, I have a qualifier. Let's check down yeah. type of stuff. Uh, and they, they would police that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how a casino would rule here. My instincts are that they would pay it out. My, so apparently there was a lot of people in that, um, the comments saying that this happened in red rock or something like that. And mm -hmm. then the players sued, the uh, casino? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable, right? Like, sure, they have TOCs, but whenever you're putting in stipulations there that just seem like <laughs> loopholes to not give money back to the, the people who are paying in, uh, it does feel like a bit of a trap. Yeah. And these bad B jackpots, for what it's worth, are just like massive, massive taxes yeah. to the, the small and mid-stakes communities to begin with. So I, I'm a little less forgiving of a tiny card room in San Antonio just because there is so much more room for it to be nefarious, right? Like there yep. is so much more room for them not to have segregated funds. 100%. There's so much more room for them to like, you know, be a little light on the books this month and just like need this money for one. I'm not saying that's what happened, obviously, but I am saying that if anyone has the ability to show some grace to a situation like this, it's a small room, right? Because like these promotions are what bring people through the doors. Yeah. And uh, it's a weird thing because Obviously, the people not involved in the bad beat jackpot are probably happy that it wasn't hit. But imagine inserting yourself in that situation. Imagine being the guy with the straight flush, right? Where he just literally did nothing wrong. He assumed that the guy called. He tabled his hand. And now the guy with quads is like fucking him out of however many tens of thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? It waddles like a bad beat. It quacks like a bad oh, beat. Oh, no. Where are we going? And it has webbed feet. What, what the fuck Pay the happening? jackpot out from my man Lee Jones. Okay. Okay. That was, uh. You're trying to find it. I, I mean, walks like a duck. Docks like, or quacks like a duck, I guess. Yeah. All right. I, we're, we're out on one, man. We're out on one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like this is too much. Like, this just doesn't look good. It yeah. doesn't look good, cuz. Because, because, it does, it does look not good. look good. I'm not a fan of it at all. Yeah, it seems like very, these people should be paid. It's very nitpicky, right? Like they're trying to. It looks like they're trying to find a reason not to pay it out. Yeah, yeah. and to the people that are in the comments saying rules are rules, mm -hmm. please get the fuck out of my comments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do you do have to abide by guidelines the there are certain rules in place. Yeah, and they're they're there for a reason. Yeah, right, right. right. It just they're depends like how it depends how transparent all of those rules are and again like we're talking about a small card room in the middle of nowhere san antonio so it's like i was very hyper aware of the rules when i was at red rock because it's an establishment they post everywhere they talk mm -hmm. about it at the table right the floor people were talking you know what i mean like yeah. and there's a certain hierarchy so it's like there's a poker room manager who <laughs> hires floor people who hires dealers and like all of these people are aligned in the same sort of like conveying the message to the consumer right we're talking about small card room in in san antonio man like there isn't going to be a big separation between the owners and the people they're dealing. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think in good faith, like this is one of those ones where you just 
you don't even take the L. It's not like this is money out of your pocket. The problem is there's too much, like, um, uh, I guess, like, space for the bad beat to be skimmed. Like, there's no overseeing body. Uh, I, I agree with and, you. That, and this, ha- even, yeah. this is even in casinos. Well, no, the, they have promotional... I mean, yeah, you're right. There's no overseeing body, but, like, the corporation itself oversees these departments, right? So, like, uh, bad beat jackpots go into promo promo money. Yeah. Um, and what they do with that is obviously up to, uh, you know, some white-collar guy who's overseeing that type of stuff. But there there is checks and balances, you would assume, in most big corporations. Your point is very valid, though, that when you're talking about a small card room in San Antonio, they're probably doesn't seem to be any of this, right? This just like becomes petty cash almost. To There's just a box in the back with a bunch of cash in it waiting to be divvied out. Right, <laughs> right. And also <laughs> Maybe it's not, not that simple, but it's, yeah. It's yeah. probably very, it, it's probably lacking transparency too, right? I doubt that they have like, well, even in casinos, it's like we don't know necessarily how much they're actually taking for these bad beats. Yeah, and then, We just kind of trust that the number's accurate. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's getting skimmed. <laughs> like, there's a lot. There's like some middle there, of America casino. There's a lot. Getting... There's a lot greater punishment if corporations cool. are skimming off of their promotion money mm-hmm. uh, in a casino. Like, there's actual, you know, Nevada gaming that they have to report to and are overseen by. Uh, that's not the case in San Antonio, and yeah. that's a problem. Are successful yeah. card rooms the ones that are willing to break the rules? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, but. I think to that point, uh, whatever whatever comes of this, in my opinion, I, I think I think these small unregulated rooms running promotions like this are, are just kind of like bad looks to begin with. Just due to the lack of transparency, the lack of oversight, all these things, and now it's an additional rake to your consumer base, right? Because they're paying time there, yeah. So they don't need to they don't need to lose a dollar a drop or whatever the fuck they're doing to take this out. Now it's different if you're just offering a free roll. If you just say like, hey, come play here and we're paying out $1,000 to Aces Full being beat uh, just straight out of their pockets, way di- way different, right? Like now if you want to be super strict about the rules, like, okay, I'm not going to fault you quite as much because this is coming out of your pocket and you don't really want to pay it. I'm kind of curious on like how that the bad beat was like promoted. Like did it start off just like they put up 100K and then they collect it? They're collecting right, it until right. they we reach obviously 100K? Don't know. I, I, I would, I highly doubt it. I mean, that would honestly... I would think that'd be the most likely, just because of the fact that, like, it's a, it's at a hundred thousand dollars, yeah. so it's not over a hundred k. It's not like it's, it's a hundred thousand. Is that what the the promo was? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, I didn't so, see, I didn't see that. Maybe so you maybe. start collecting first, and then yeah, till you get to a certain point, and then you and then after that, then right. you, then then you announce it, and then you fill the rest of it the way in. And like I know there's competition right. down there, yeah. so like if that could have been a good mm-hmm. promo to get people in the door. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty tough. I know to, Rounders has a pretty. All right, Joey, get on the case. Find <laughs> find out if there was actually a bad beat jackpot. We need you on the case. Somebody in San Antonio needs to let us know. Somebody is telling me right now that guy that runs Poker Palace has a questionable past. Yeah, big shout out to E, who's out there. <laughs> Lots of people in the area have talked about him being pretty scummy, trying to get a hard confirmation. Yeah, yes. uh, I mean, again, I don't want to drag anybody without uh, any any further information or anything like that but like you know from a speculative standpoint it does just seem like it doesn't pass the smell test so i think that you know as a community it's on us to do due diligence and like find out how probable it is that this is all fugazi have there been situations in the past where cardroom makes ruling community has outrage cardroom changes it Um, sure some some point well it's tough with casinos because they're just 
they're just abiding by Nevada gaming in most instances. Uh, there was like the Venetian protest where they were they were doing something really fucked. I can't remember what it was, but basically they were taking like promo dollars and uh, running tournaments in some regard. And I can't remember how the money was being paid in or like what the tournament was, but I just remember that the final structure of it when it was all said and done was like anybody playing the tournament was basically losing money or something to that effect. They They did something really... Like really fucked with the payouts. This was a while ago. Yeah, like they were pulling from the prize pool or something. Like maybe it was like a three hundred dollar buy-in, um, and they were supposed to be adding money from like the promotional money or whatever the case may be. But the way that they did the payout system, uh, like almost like a survivor or something like that. Uh, again, I I don't remember. So like I'm really riffing here. Uh, I just remember that people really protested very hard against this because one, Venetian's rake is already the highest in Vegas when it comes to low and mid stakes. And then two, they were taxing all of their uh, all of their cash game players, this bad beat drag or drop or whatever, and then they were taking it and throwing it into Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Wait, what, what it was. What the fuck was this? That's what it was. It was a hundred K guarantee, and every single entrant thereafter the guarantee became rake. Just one hundred percent rake. It, none of the money went to the prize pool. <laughs> so if it was like a thousand dollar buy-in and a hundred people played. Everyone from 101 and beyond just went to the house. What? Why was this? I don't remember. It, it definitely had something to do with wow. the bad beat jackpot, but I don't recall what or like how. And obviously, it was a small buy. It wasn't a 1K. Yeah. Um, Probably something along the lines of if you played enough hours in cash, you got a seat to yeah, it. Yeah, perhaps. And then you can just buy and do it straight or perhaps. something. Perhaps. But yeah, I remember. Um, I, I think it ended up overlaying slightly because people were protesting it. Yeah, that got removed pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. There are some bad ideas, but like. You know, ones like that just are pretty avert that they're trying to take advantage. Yeah, there should be like a good idea, bad idea. <laughs> I say this sure. all the time. Before you do something, you should think, is it a good idea or a bad idea? And if it's a bad idea, you don't want to do it. Like this tournament, bad idea. Yeah. That was an easy bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very easy bad idea. There's always been like this whole rake issue, though, when it comes to poker sites and along those lines what an incredible segue. Do why do you have to fucking smirch uh, it no, that, what do you mean i was i was giving you your props I didn't need bro it. Was I, was so uns, I was the unsung hero no, and then you made him so sing good. then you God, made me the song so good man that was so good what a Hate great transition it. we are joined today by uh, a high stakes poker pro who uh mostly plays online uh i'm gonna give you a description of a dm i received actually describing george prior because i think it's just like the perfect way to describe it. George does a ton for high stakes community behind the scenes. He's done the lion's share of the work for the GG negotiations, shouldering thousands of different opinions, sometimes from difficult to deal with high stake pros. Does it all for free while running his CFP and also playing. He's also one of the more active vocal guys looking out for cheaters across the sites. He's basically the people's champ for high stakes regs behind the scenes. Helps with a lot of low stake guys too. Uh, I've had a few encounters with George on Twitter, um, mostly regarding like RTA and things of that nature. And he's always been like super respectful. Uh, seems to really have the best interests of the community in mind. So I'm really happy to bring him in here today. Uh, BBZ coach George, you mad bro? Bit B. George Froggett. Froggett. Oh, Froggett. Okay. Sorry, I didn't know <laughs> thing is Bit B. But anyways. Oh, it is it? Yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. My apologies. Welcome. No worries. And you missed the most important thing that I'm famous for, which has been make boyfriend's roommate, I think. Oh, well, that does make a hell of a lot of sense. So you guys just got, wow, I kind of want to dig into that before we get into to all the rake stuff. You guys uh, kind of just came up in the game together? 
he was already up in the game, and then I um, we moved into a flat to go in Vienna like three, four years ago, I guess now. Okay. Um, and yeah, obviously, he probably helped me more than I helped him, I would say, honestly, in that time. I mean, fair, but, you know, two pretty brilliant poker minds living together. You guys are, are bound to find success. Uh, is he still grinding uh, on, uh, like, he, the high stakes and stuff? Yeah, yeah, he still plays uh, nosebleeds on all sites, PLO and uh, No Limit, I think. Um, with a very high stakes, yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the high stakes scene then as, as it exists. What, uh, what, I mean, obviously I know, but like, let's catch the audience up a little bit. What, what led to this boycott of GG and how difficult or easy was it to coordinate the high stakes community? Yeah, sure. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, GG had the vast majority of the high stakes action on kind of the open networks. Um, they would like regularly have five, six tables of five KNL plus running, um, as well as like the, the really massive games, 100 KNL and 40 KNL. Um, and they, de they definitely didn't have a monopoly on this. Like ACR has like a, a lot of high stakes action as well. Um, but yeah, GG charged much higher rake, like you guys can see in the chart there already. Uh, the left-hand column was their old rake structure, which was uh, about 10x the competitors, slightly less. Um, and then about a week ago, uh, overnight, they kind of released an update in the client um, on April the 1st, actually. Uh, everyone obviously was hoping it was April Fool's, but transpired it wasn't, where they basically just doubled uh, the rate cap at all stakes. Um, and it basically pushed like the games, especially at 5K now, uh, to the level where they just they just weren't beatable anymore. Like The vast majority of seats would be losing. Um, and yeah, people just didn't know about it. Like Gradually, the community kind of told each other, like, yeah, in case you didn't know, the, the rake has been doubled to this, to this level. Um, and kind of took a bit of back and forth about whether it was realistic to, to kind of for everyone to commit to not play. And it quickly became clear it, it was basically because the opportunity cost of not playing is so low uh, when the game's available to you are uh, not beatable anyway for any kind of win rate. And I think quite quickly about 90, almost 100 people signed up to, to agree to not play. I think there's, there's actually basically five, there's four or five regulars who are, are still playing. Otherwise the games are only recreationals. Um, and yeah, basically that's what's been happening for the last week. No, no, no professionals or regular players playing GG at least. Right. So, so the rake, uh, as, as that graph kind of dictated, uh, basically all but doubled at 5k NL going from four big blinds per hundred to 7.08. Um, what was the rake at like 10 K and above, or, or maybe like looking at like 20 K and hundred K, because I imagine that that's where, um, you know, GG has enough wells that could be where it's still attractive for certain players to play. Uh, basically, are they beatable at, at this current hike? Uh, yeah. So basically the, the way that myself and my friends used to think about it was that under the old structure, 5k was kind of like the, the, the idiot stake, like the stake where under the old rake structure, you could like occasionally find a good seat, but the vast majority of seats were like dubious or, or losing, or at least not winning a high enough rate that, you would want to play them really. Um, and then 10K plus is where it started to get like realistic. And then under the new structure, uh, 10K kind of became the, the same as the old 5K rate, slightly okay. higher, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and then like, yeah, 20K plus is, is still beatable, but the, the rate is still under, under the, the, after the hike is still like completely ridiculous compared to, compared to other sites. And there will definitely be games running 
um, where there would be like a recreational player playing and you wouldn't necessarily want to play them. And any kind of battling between professionals is like completely unrealistic uh, with, right. yeah, well, honestly, even with the old rig structure, it was, it was not great at any stake, but with the new rig structure, it like really disincentivizes like playing um, heads up or, or freehanded really. So the win rates at these stakes now because of the price hike is just almost too unattainable. And while some of the seats may be good, it's very possible that you're just overestimating win rate in a lot of spots, which just makes it unbeatable as is. Yeah, exactly. I think like um, even before the hike, someone posted the data about the biggest, the biggest losing players on GG and um, there was like 15 prof professionals in there. I mean, even, even from my own experience, I think... I played a lot of volume in like games before I really registered just how much money was leaving the table every hundred hands um, under under the old structure. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I remember looking at rake attributed as a stat on PT4, and you really don't realize how much money you're giving away to rake until you see it over a long period of time. Yeah, exactly. And then when you when you really put it into big blind, uh, big blind per hundred as well, and you like compare it to win rates, like. For, for anyone watching who's not familiar, like online, if you have like a, a four or five big blind win rate, it's good on like EU websites. And then you think like you've got five big blinds leaving the table, four, four point X big blinds leaving the table every hundred hands in rate. Um, it's just like, it's just so, you have to win so, so much to kind of be left with with a lot, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think... Afterwards. I think in a big way, this uh, speaks a lot to the mid stakes and low stakes players who uh, grind it out live because... <laughs> Uh, the the live rakes are astronomical. You know, in one three game, you could be losing uh, upwards to two big blinds, two and a half if you're playing like one two uh, per hand. And of course, live is slow, but like you know, they're taking they're basically taking a full buy-in off the table like every 45 minutes or every hour, something along those lines. But it's super beatable because everybody's so bad that win rates are you know astronomical. You you can literally see 30, 40 big blinds per hundred. Uh, that's not going to be the case in a competitive environment, as George is kind of mentioning. Um, why, why GG? Why haven't you guys migrated to stars and ACR? And I mean, I kind of understand the answer behind this, but what about GG makes it so unique to the high stakes player pool? Yeah, um, I think that there are just more recreational players on GG Poker. Basically, they've done a really, really good job with like. Um, promotions the software is way more enjoyable like if i if i was playing recreation i would definitely not play anywhere else mm -hmm. um it's way easier to get money on and off the website uh which i think is is maybe the, the key thing and they do have a, a rate back structure which um gives more rate back to recreational players right. which there's a lot i've got to be careful what i say here because there's a lot of debate in the high stakes community but the one thing you can't argue about is that it definitely generates more volume uh right to, of, because obviously the recreational players uh, have more money uh, to play with. Um, so yeah, the playing experience basically and the, and the, the ease of transacting on the website. So basically we're holding your feet to the fire that you just said more rake is better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't want no, no, to get too much into man. this because it's <laughs> so split, but yeah. No, no, I'm yeah, fucking with some, you, obviously. There's some, there's, some pros, there's some pros behind what they do for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand. the Casinos are, are notorious for this, right? Like uh, you get big whales who come in and gamble in the pits. Uh, a lot of them will offer rebates. You know, come play Baccarat with us. We'll give you 15% of your losses back, things of that nature, uh, on top of all the comps and things like that. So giving a greater rake back incentive to the people that are basically the game starters, which are going to be the recreationals, seems to be worth a lot. Uh, how does this parallel to 
what we saw with the stars, I, I believe it was 2015 or 16 with uh, the elimination of Supernova Elite and uh, what effectively turned into a, a rake increase there. Yeah, so I, I think what stars did actually is probably in, like just worse. So um, Poker Stars basically let people grind Supernova Elite, which would take a full year of playing like crazy volume at most stakes. And the year after you finished Supernova Elite, you got higher rake back. Um, mm -hmm. And what Stars basically did is they said, we're cutting Supernova Elite, which obviously was within their rights to do, but we're also cutting the higher rake back for the people who've just played the whole year uh, right. with the anticipation of getting that. Um, and then there was a big sit out. Like I think in this case, actually, people didn't play and they also blocked the tables. Like they would, they would sit at the table and sit out. And if, a, if someone sat and wanted to play, they'd be like, we're not playing. Here's why yeah. the stars didn't like this. But, um, I would say as well quickly, um, so yeah, GG obviously are within their rights to charge what they want for their product. But obviously in this case, I would say they've misstepped quite badly just because they, they pushed the games beyond, um, what's sustainable and, and also the, in, in, to such a degree that the community can like react in, in a united way and, and cause GG to make less net revenue. Um, but I will also say that the GG have already reached out and like entered into negotiations, which is one thing stars never did. And obviously right. stars lost their monop monopoly as a result. So maybe in this case, depending on how um, things kind of finalize, we, we, you, you could say that GG uh, are kind of moving in the right direction in that regard. Yeah, it seems like a very normal thing for business to make a change and then get the feedback. And in this case, the regulars, if you will, are giving them the feedback of this is not sustainable. And it's always about finding that middle line between yeah. what the GG can maximize for profit while keeping games beatable and enjoyable. So it's a matter about finding that middle ground where clearly they overstepped in this one at this yeah. current time. Yeah, and I would genuinely say like, uh, for, for like poker as a whole it's been like a huge well like I, I think like because of this change they've made like the poker community has become a lot more educated about rake right like hopefully some people listen to this will like rethink some games they're playing as well and in the past i used to think this was kind of a big edge for like my, my stable or whatever where like we would like really have a hyper focus on rake and be like the amount of money leaving the table is like the gravity of the situation like you need to know how much this is to know if the game is playable or not um, and I thought it was like something to keep secret because it was like some, some kind of edge we had, but actually I've realized like the more that like the players know, like whether it's a recreational player or a, um, professional player about like rake structures and, and what they mean for like the sustainability, the beatable, uh, beatableness made up word, but sure <laughs> of the game, um, the better, right. So like the more we can kind of educate everyone on being like, this is the gravity that like, this is how much money is leaving the table, that the less the sites are going to be able to just push push and push how much they take in future and like yeah there's been some really good educational content put out already by like patrick howard on this i think since mm -hmm. since the boycott started obviously hopefully this has got like a lot of uh, eyes on it as well um so yeah from that point of view i think it's probably a bit of a misstep by them because they kind of did something which caused uh, all our customers to become so much more educated on 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 the rig so there's a couple directions i want to take this uh i'll, I'll double back to the communication that you've had with Gigi in a moment. But before we get to that, uh, I, I kind of want to ask a little bit outside of obviously trying to collect more money. Do you think that there's a bigger purpose behind Gigi's desire to continually increase the rake? Because obviously this is the second hike that we've seen and they were already 10 X their competitors yet still having a stranglehold on uh, the volume necessary to run high stakes. 
do you feel like there is something deeper here maybe uh as a company to abolish high stakes or make it so that it is only recreationals who are willing to play with one another anything along those lines yeah there's actually a few avenues to put this down like answering the second part of your question first like do they want to make it so only recreationals play against each other um from a strictly revenue point of view mm-hmm. uh, like people i speak to who, who are like in the industry and just like basic calculations i'm pretty convinced that like from a rake point of view if you're a website and you're trying to make as much rake as possible you, you don't want games which are like free recreationals free professionals uh you kind of want it to either be like six six recreationals all playing one table or one recreational and five professionals because right. obviously you've, if you've got three recreationals and you could have three different tables running, you want right. the rig set at the exact level, which makes three tables run for three extra volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a long winded way of saying, I don't think it's realistic for an open website to, to have games, which are all recreationals. So normally I would assume they want to set the rake at a level where like it is, it is kind of this like, leveraging their customer, leveraging their VIPs to the maximum to get as many tables, as many raked hands running as possible. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that they, they're trying to like get rid of all professionals from the site, particularly because of how, um, like they have, they have actually been very good at giving us feedback and like, uh, reacting to some of the demand, some of the demands, some of the things we've asked them to, it doesn't really imply to me that, that that's the avenue they want to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same for killing high stakes. Like, I don't think they they want to or they wouldn't be like making the concessions they've already made and besides that i think like it's kind of clearly good to have like these linus linus sitting like playing these 100 knl tables and stuff like this like yeah it's just free marketing for them in a lot of ways um and like the rake of sorry the the rake efficiency which they often talk about like how again if we're stri- strictly talking about maximizing profit for the book websites these games aren't that bad for the for them like especially at 5k now i think they make like as much as they um would make from tournaments and like it's not like the players who 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 might play 5k now will go and play 100 now where they can make better rate from you know this is like a unique player base which they have access to so yeah i mean yeah. i'm too optimistic but i think it's just an error uh honestly okay. i'm going to overstep yeah, that's fair. I guess I was kind of posturing that, you know, if you have this collection of whales who are either willing to play against only each other, that's, as you mentioned, very good for the site, or if higher stakes didn't exist and they were now willing to infiltrate, say, the 2K NL pool, the 1K NL pool, I would assume GG's rake is basically the same per player there, um, unless they have a different structure that I'm unaware of, but most are capped at three bucks per hand, right? Or is that not the case with them? Um, I think so. So after they made the change, the rake at one K now is now the same at five K now. Um, but one K now has this massive leaderboard system Mm -hmm. where they give like a lot of money back every day. Okay. Um, so it's actually effectively, effectively lower. So yeah, moving players from five K to one K doesn't even benefit their bottom line, uh, in the current structure. Um, and and just one more thing to add is that like a lot of these recreationals that we're talking about on, on GG are like that they're not like whales that they're, they're players who are like winning a lot in in live games particularly in asia um and like playing like much much higher live and using like the 5k 10k right. games for practice as ridiculous as that sounds no um, yeah of course so so again they're not players who are just like just move or like play something else i think in a lot of the cases um well obviously there are some 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 whales as well but there's a lot of these these like live pros that play for for, for practice i think yeah 
Uh, you mentioned some concessions that they were willing to bend to. So obviously you have been in communication with some of the higher ups at GG. Can you speak a little bit to what you hope to accomplish through the boycott? Like what the the list of player demands are, um, what they're willing to concede, what they're not budging on, things of that nature? Yeah, so I don't want to like, uh, we, we basically have had like, we, we kind of made what we said, what we would want to end the boycott. Uh, GG came back with an offer. We said what we would... Um, we said what we're not happy of, with about the offer, and then they came back with a, a new offer, and we're reviewing that today. Um, I think basically, like, it's difficult for us as professionals to argue that. Uh, sorry, it's difficult for us to argue that the rate should be lower than it was initially because there was such a high volume of games running initially. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing we can use in our favor there is, like I said, like the the community is just better educated than they were one week ago uh, yeah. on the kind of how high that rake actually is. Um, yeah, mostly it's, it's to get the back rake back to what it was. And then we're talking a lot as well uh, with the GG representative. I'm not sure if he wants to be named, so I'll just avoid it for now. Sure. Um, about the shorthanded rake, because obviously like everyone talks about not wanting progress to be predatory. Um, I would obviously also rather it wasn't predatory, but like if you have a rake structure, which means that you can't win playing against another professional, no, no professionals are going to play against each other. Right, games um, just die. Exactly, yeah. And GG does have a lower rate cap for shorthanded games, two to three-handed, but it was still like so high that you can't really justify playing heads yeah. up or, or three-handed unless you think you're way, way, way better than someone, in which yeah. case the table's probably going to fill around them anyway. Right. Uh, um, so yeah, we talked a lot about this because this is like organic volume, which GG just doesn't have, and they, they could have. Like ACR has it all. There's like a lot, lot more battles running on ACR because the rate's so much lower there mm-hmm. between professionals. Um so I, I, I felt this should be like a really easy sell to the business. It's like professionals will play against each other 1v1 if you make the rake low enough. You never have the danger of like of a, a recreational plan heads up against a professional because when that player joins, the table is going to go 600 anyway. Um, and they have said they'll reduce the rake a lot. Still no one there to the level though that like will actually incentivize people playing against each other, in, in my opinion. Right. Um, so yeah, that's something we're really trying to get changed as well. Basically, like six-handed rake back to the old, old system, and then um, lower that uh, short-handed rake heads-up rake uh, down to levels where you can see like these big, these big matches, uh, uh, professional versus professional, which at the moment largely happen on other networks or um, in crossbook games. It's kind of a new perspective where the community as a whole, at least in your case for the higher stakes community, rake used to be something that people just had this idea of it is what it is mm-hmm. and it will never change. It's part of the system where now you guys are taking a step further and saying, okay, this has now gotten to a point where it's definitely out of hand. And the only way this changes is if we as a community, at least as a whole, start to make a change ourselves. Yeah. Have you leveraged this opportunity with the boycott to um, kind of position the high stakes community to make greater demands of sites like stars and ACR? Yeah, we, we think about it. So the reason that the, everyone's in a group together, actually, is because initially we made this group uh, to kind of work on the RTA front. Uh, we like basically thought it's just a benefit if we have like all the kind of known vouch regs uh, in one chat and and like, have a vouch system where people get added and we kind of compile reports to center websites. And um, actually, kind of off topic, but actually had reasonable success there talking to the sites and getting like the, the most obvious uh, cheating accounts banned on um, ACR and GG. Mm-hmm. Um, through some of the work the reps. Uh, the basic problem is, is that like ACR is, there are some problems with the site, obviously, but like the, the rake is, extri- the rake is, is good. Um, the, 
the, the games are good. Um, and like for me personally, um, the software isn't as good as GG, but it's fine. Um, and then stars has this like uh, problem where just at high six, there is no games because no one can get money on the website. Right. Uh, like even, even professionals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but like having this Avenue and GG will be good. And I think like, like, like Landon said about the rake there, there has been some worrying trends with rake online where like sites seemed to kind of realize because GG was charging too much, so much that they, they thought they could charge more as well. Uh, like for people listening, I guess bet online, the Chico network is a good example for this. They like, uh, 3x the cap, I think at 1k very recently, um, like really massive increase of rake there. Mm-hmm um on chico and like obviously uh just just kind of like increasing make increasing the customer sensitivity to rate increases is going to be like good for preventing sites just just ramping up the rate to the maximum in future i think hopefully um yeah um i'm glad you brought up the rta thing uh i have a note here that i I wanted to kind of take the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about we've had some exchanges in the past on twitter when uh you know the fedor cruz stuff dropped when the ali and uh jake stuff dropped maybe we might have then as well and i i just recall uh you kind of assuring me that this is definitely not an issue at high stakes and i think i just kind of shrugged it off a little bit of like well you're one of the best players out there it probably doesn't feel like much of an issue to you because you're beating the game anyway but i think i've come around to understand a little bit better uh, with how small the community is and how well coordinated you guys are, this truly probably is very self-policed and you're doing a great job of it. Um, do you feel that that's possible in the other stakes, like as you start to dip down to 2K and below? Uh, or do you feel like there there is still some sort of threat as technology grows and these sites aren't necessarily keeping up? Yeah, I think like... Um... It's always a always a dilemma because, like you said, I think the one thing that I've always thought is quite clear is that actual high stakes nosebleed. Like, sure, some people are going to try and cheat. Um, the opportunity cost of cheating and getting away with it is so high because if you're like if you're not a known account and you, you come up and start winning, you will be investigated like a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult to get away with it. If you are a known account and you decide I'm going to start cheating, you're like forfeiting like hundreds of thousands of EV a year by doing so. Um, Which so, yeah, we've literally stakes, seen. Uh, you know, a handful of accounts make that sacrifice. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm not going to say there's like no one cheating, um, but like it's nowhere near the problem that like maybe the public perception perceives it to be. And, right. and also like all the biggest edges, even in the nose of these games, like I'm not playing them myself at the moment, but uh, my, my, my roommates are, and um, my housemates are, sorry. And some of my close friends are like the biggest edges don't come from like playing, like playing like a, a bot anyway, they come from like, lots of other kind of stuff. Like, I guess you could call it real poker if you want. Sure. Um, the way that like Marcus and Linus are playing to generate EV. But yeah, sorry, that's a roundabout way of, of your question. I think like at small stakes, um, it's much harder to please because of the volume of accounts. I think if sites decided they really didn't care about detecting RTA, um, there would be a problem uh, because like, yeah, if you're in a country where the average income is low and the sites don't care, you can generate your like 30, 50K a year. Yeah. Um, because of the recreationals. However, the sites, like most cheaters are still stupid playing these stakes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they get caught like pretty, pretty consistently, uh, still. Yeah. I I think that that's the general, uh, overarching concern, I guess, from the, the population is that, you know, 
it all started with the botting that was taking place on ACR. And as technology has grown, we realize like how much more efficient those bots can be now just utilizing even pre-solved databases like GTO wizard or Odin, uh, and, and the sort. And granted, you know, the best players out there will kind of look at those products and say like, well, they're not good enough to really win, uh, at nose or sorry, not, not good enough not to win. That That's not true. They're, they're not good enough to be elite. Uh, whenever you start to raise the ranks, but to your point, that's not really what people in Belarus are looking for. You know, they're they're just trying yeah. to fire up a machine that will play twenty four seven three sixty five for them and print a few bucks an hour uh, in EV and really never have to look back. You know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think like at small stakes and mid stakes, uh, where, where there's this massive player base, it is it is more of a problem. Um, I don't like, again, I know I was listening actually to your RTA podcast earlier when I was on a, on a run actually. Um, and I'm going to come back with the same response, which is like, don't really want to say how I would do it if I was a website. Because yeah, of course. I know that some of the sites are already doing that. And I think the key point is basically that your chances of getting caught are just, are just quite high. Yeah. Um, and like when you get caught and lose your entire deposit, as long as this, this standard like keeps being there, mm-hmm. um, I think that like, the problem is not going to be as, as huge as it is. And then the other thing is about these, these small stakes is there, there are like much more, many more recreational players playing there. Um, so like a few cheaters who, who do get away with it, um, will, um, not, not be as much of a problem to, to like whether the games are beatable. Right. I think though. Right. They still yeah. remain sustainable in spite of the fact that, you know, basically we have some outlier winners who don't belong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and like, that's why I said, I think if the sites gave up, it would, it would be problematic, but like, right. and, and that's why I think like holding, holding the sites accountable to like, it is so important basically, um, because they need to, to realize that like, it's important for the future of poker that they actually care about doing the basic things and, and catching, uh, the stupid guys basically. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, go ahead. Like, it's never about, um, at least from the player perspective, because we know that rake is always going to exist and is a necessary evil of the game for sites to do their job. So it's just a matter of having that in the back of their mind as a company and seeing it more as an infinite type of game of having games being played versus how much money can we take from the ecosystem before people get mad? I guess that's how you guys kind of see it. Yeah, I think it's just like... um... Yeah, it's like, I I think this rake increase is a much bigger threat to online poker being like... A, a, a game you can win at than um, the RTA is basically, um, and yeah, I think like we have to like make sites realize that like increasing the rake. Basically, I think when GG increases the rake this much, so they like almost two x the structure. If it makes them have half the games, it's not like a net benefit for them, right? And the only and the way it will make them have half the games is if regs realize that that, that it's been doubled and they won't play anymore. Uh, unless like the game's like really, really good, right? So that's also, why I think like the, edu- the education okay. is so important. Yeah. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. No, 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 you're good. Um, it's like with the rake back system that they do have in place too, where they give more benefit to losing players long-term. It's also tough for people that are trying to play consistently in, to get the same sort of benefit or reward and it just won't end up happening. So right. while the money does kind of go back into the ecosystem because recreational players get more of it, there's nothing to be said for someone to just stop playing as a whole yeah it just goes back in for you to potentially win again right like you win it 
and then they rake it, and then you potentially just win it back again from the same player that you wanted from to begin with because he got the kickback. Yeah, effectively, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and um, like this, this, I don't yeah. know if you guys ever played GG, but the system is like it, like it's not transparent at all. So like, uh, it says in the client you get sixty percent rake back, mm-hmm. but then your rake back is multiplied by your player value indicator. Um, and like, uh, it can go as low as like 0.1. So you could be getting 6% rate back instead. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I believe for like recreational as well, I know for myself, when I had my biggest downswing, it got back to one. So, um, I assume that for actual, like actual recreational players, it can go significantly above one. So like the variance is very, very big. And like, yes, it's like the, tra- the transparency, like I can see, I, well, I can definitely see an argument that like for the, for the regular players, they should, they should know what their multiplier is. Um, although you can figure it out if you just play a session and see how much you get basically. Right. And that's predicated on how much you're winning and how much, to, and how much you play as a whole. Yeah. It's like murky. There's no, no one knows the formula. Like the, it definitely is stake by stake. So like you, you can have a wildly different value at different stakes. Uh, I think it also has something like how much action you give in there. Cause like, uh, myself and my friends who like played more heads up or freehanded tended to have higher ratios than others. Um, there, there's like all kinds of wild theories, like how many emojis you use or how many cards you show. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like the YouTube algorithm, mm-hmm. you know, right. people have yeah. ideas, but they don't have direct fact. Exactly. Yeah. Like no one, no one really knows. Yeah. The, the amount yeah. of emojis you throw up in just one times and <laughs> all those increase your yeah. PVI. This is kind of a bit yeah. of a slippery slope because uh, what Gigi suddenly finds himself doing then is positioning themselves against the the app games, which they were already in direct competition with. But uh, now with the higher rake, um, you're basically reducing your player pool as you as you kind of mentioned to only recreationals, and a lot of those recreationals don't care about this type of stuff. So they are on apps and they're getting like pretty juicy deals there. Um, that acquisition model is so scary to me because when you look at the apps, like they're completely un- unpoliced and the security there is just kind of a nightmare. You, you were kind of speaking to how when it gets shorthanded on GG, they give you a rake break, but not really that big of one. That's the same way app games are like, you know, you may be in a game where um, it's all recreationals and they're taking like one and a half big blinds per, per hand. And whenever you get heads up, now it reduces to like a half a big blind per hand, but that's still astronomical if you're putting in yeah. any sort of volume, you know? Yeah, like for me, these app games, I've played a bit, uh, again, I have friends who play a bit, but like, yeah, this is where the rate becomes like a real factor because there's so many more unknowns as well. Like, yeah, the games on average are softer, but like now you can have like collusion, which means you like, you can win in a game against people who's not here, but you can't win against in a game where people are colluding. Right. Um, and like, yeah, the rate can be like so, so high that like, it's just, it's just very, very difficult to figure out uh, yeah. if the players are, are bad enough for you to win or not. Um, and yeah, like for recreational players that like, I mean, they don't care about it, but it, it does matter to them as well. I think for, for, for like, yeah, how much money, how much money leaves the table every hundred hands is going to be a factor in, in, yeah. in how likely it is for them to go on massive heaters or, or have have an enjoyable time as well i guess yeah when their accounts generally just declining and it's not even necessarily due to bad play like that's gonna show up uh in in their radar i think um yeah let me let me kind of get you out here on a on a bigger existential question as a whole do you think online poker is sustainable for the near future like do you do you see there still being growth and sustainability in spite of all the threats that it faces yeah, like I, I actually quit online poker, I think, well, quit poker full stop when I was like 20, 
22, I guess I'm 29 now. I like quit for a year, maybe two years because I, because I thought poker was dead basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Pyrosilver came out or something, maybe it was in poker snowy. It was like, uh, and I, I just decided that like, this was the end. Um, like I've read, watched too many AI movies, I think. Um, sure. but nowadays I'm like much more optimistic in a lot of ways because I, I see like more where the EV comes from. And I realize it's not from like, replicate is from like you have to have a good idea of what equilibrium play looks like but it's not from replicating equilibrium that you actually generate win rate um i think that also like online poker is like significantly bigger than it was like four years ago even so like it's kind of on the ascendancy in a way um and then you have developments like this like regardless of what happens from this boycott it it is pretty much confirmed it will be the first successful boycott in poker history where like we actually get the decide to make some concessions. So like player power, you could argue is increasing in that way. Um, I think like American regulation obviously is like going to be like a whole new massive online poker market. Uh, obviously the problem comes with stuff like chat GPT and like not understanding like how developments in AI are going to, are going to, um, go, but like assuming it continues along the same path as, as it is currently with like the cheating, uh, software being like these lookup, these solution lookup things, I think online broker will be around for like a, a, a while, a good, a good while. Yeah. Especially with like the new influx of um, players coming when American regulation passes yeah. as well. And, yeah. and just the fact that like at the moment it's, it's not even close, you know, there's like in all pools, there's like people making like literal millions. So right, right, um, right. every, every year. Um, and, and there's already like, the software to, to cheat quote unquote out there. Um, and it hasn't, it's been out there for years and years and it hasn't like become widespread yet. And sites slowly seem to be getting smarter. Some networks quicker than others, but, um, yeah, I'm maybe again, maybe too optimistic, but I, I do believe it will still be, uh, still be there for, for years. Well, even with the RTA stuff being sort of an issue, I guess when it comes to, player pools everywhere. If break does decrease, it does end up keeping the games around for longer. So it's kind of a good start. Yeah, I, I think I think to your point of optimism, uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a doomsdayer whenever it comes to online, but I do agree with you in, in a specific regard in that uh, I do see there still being a lot of growth there. And I think ultimately uh, what I previously may have seen as a total uh, abolishment of online poker altogether I, I may have been misguided there. And I actually think what will happen is there'll be some strong winners that come out of it. And what I mean by that is like, um, rather than us having the options to play on 20 different sites or 30 different sites, all of which have different uh, pros and cons to them, I think there's going to be like maybe one or two or three major networks that are in direct competition to each other. And, and that shouldn't be any surprise. We see this pretty much in all businesses, whether it's uh, something as simple as like cable or um, you know something as competitive as like uh, high-end car marketing like there tends to only be a few winners after something has been along around long enough for it to mature yeah yeah um yeah i think like the, the sites that like the, the problem is with like the game integrity uh, side of things is you have to be like you have to have scale to just to like justify the expenditure on it right so right. Like, naturally that kind of lends itself to like bigger uh, fewer bigger sites than like lots of small ones. Um, just one final, th- sorry, one final thing. One other thing I thought I'd add quickly. Just when I was listening to the RTA podcast, you guys were mentioning that when Fedor Cruz got banned, he said like everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just thought I'd like address that because I think again, it's a common misconception. Like Fedor was like, I mean, obviously I'm a bit biased, but he was not a smart guy. He was like using using heads up sims to play, sorry, using six handed sims to play heads up against Stefan. Uh, for anyone <laughs> who doesn't know, Stefan's like sure. one of the one of the best, you know. Um, and like obviously the way he got caught was like fairly ridiculous as well. It is ridiculous. It took as long as it did. Um, but like pre prior to this, he like couldn't beat fifty NL. Um, he was like, it couldn't, couldn't, couldn't go up the stakes at all. And like, I think what he says is like partly to justify his own actions. Uh, he was like cheating in Call of Duty before for similar reasons, I think. And it's just, it's just genuinely not true that like the majority of people are, are cheating. And like, again, if you look at the bit, like I, I said a lot, if you look at the biggest winners, they're the ones who play like in a way, like the most different equilibrium, right. um, online still. And, and yeah, it's just. Like if I sit down like on a random table on like the sketchiest network, it's still like extremely unlikely at a six-handed table. I think that I'll be suspicious of one of my opponents. Yeah, um, I, I think that's really fair. I, I think from our perspective, what was most bothersome was uh, the methodology through which the RTAs were caught, be it Ali, Jake, or uh, Fedor. It seemed like it took so long and that it flew under the radar for so long in spite of the fact like with Ali and Jake, we we all knew for years and it was like shouting into the void where nothing could really be done. Um, but I'm a lot more optimistic seeing how swiftly everybody acted and to see how much that cascaded into the live venues. Uh, the, the fact that these guys turned up at an EPT and got you know turned away from the cage due to kind of being put on a blacklist, to me is a step in the right direction. I think that you know if we're, if we're gonna keep this a safe space moving forward, the penalty has to be so harsh. Because the reward to not getting caught in short order is worth a lot. You know, if you're able to get yeah. away with it uh, for a, uh, an extended period of time, not only do you make a lot of money, but you become really fucking good too. Like if Jake and Ali would have stopped being greedy at some point and just like, you know, shut it all down and just played on their own laurels, they would have continued to be high stakes winners. Yeah, 100%. I think what you said, like, it's so important as a community that we like ostracize the people who are caught, basically. Like, yeah. It's kind of, again, it all comes down to the opportunity costs and like some of it is the site, like taking the money, but other, other like in poker, like your network is worth so much. Yeah. Um, like online, live, whatever, as well. It's like gets you into random games, it allows you to sell action, like nosebleeds, super high rollers. Um, like just uh, this is one thing I've realized more and more as my career has progressed, like is how the value of this network. And you have to make sure that anyone who, who does cheat just doesn't ever get this benefit. Yeah. Um, I think it's like part of, part of what we can do as the, as a community to like, uh, help produce help, help change the, the calculation basically for would be cheaters. Yeah. In certain um, industries, certain actions, which should just require a, a death sentence, you know, there's no real second chance for something like this. It's, it's too well known, uh, how predatory it is and like how much money it can, uh, you know, siphon out of the community for us to just allow somebody to kind of claim ignorance and just be like i didn't think it was that bad you know yeah, it's, it's at some point you just have to put your foot down and say like no enough's enough like you're not going to make money off our backs anymore yeah and also like i will say this the sites can still be better on this like particularly like within our group obviously like the reason we made this this anti-rta group in the first place is because obviously like a bunch of high stakes players or, or mid-stakes players or whatever act on their own they're going to accuse every single person of cheating right um along the along the way so it's kind of a way to like assimilate reports and like actually do like proper investigation with data or, or, or like, um, showdowns we were seeing, uh, to come to more definitive conclusions before we pass it onto the website. 
Um, but there have definitely been like cases and there still are of like where, where like we can be like pretty much a hundred percent sure that a certain account is, is cheating and they do tend to get banned nowadays. Um, it just takes longer than you would be ideal in a lot of circumstances. Like the sites still can, could definitely put more into the, the game integrity side of things, but hopefully for GG, assuming that eventually this, um, this boycott results in them, like changing the games, uh, to a more sustainable format, uh, the fact that we have better connections now to the sites as well can help with that for sure. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, that's one thing that probably in the last five years or so, uh, I've come to understand the most, uh, as you know, I kind of shift into the elder statesman in the community and whatnot is those relationships with operators are, are just absolutely priceless. And for decades, or at least for a decade, I think there was very little communication between the consumer base and the actual operators where that's very different now. Um, with social media being what it is, with uh, the high stakes regulars being able to, uh, you know, kind of collect themselves the way that you all have and organize, uh, it, it makes us get heard now as consumers. And that's just priceless when it comes to shaping the product moving forward, ensuring security measures, making sure that this is sustainable. Because at the end of the day, the the incentives are a little bit disaligned between the professional and the operator, right? Um, for, for both of us, we obviously want to make money. Um, but if you don't have that infinite game mindset that Landon kind of spoke to before, and you have a lot more short-term vision, it's easy to go for the money grab, be it as a player or an operator. And if anybody is operating under those premises, they're going to end up being pretty destructive. Uh, so I, I, I think like what you guys are doing is very commendable. Uh, I think you should be obviously very proud of yourself. It sounds like you're one of the hardest working men in high stakes poker right now, juggling <laughs> a lot of uh, different things. Is there anything you want to uh, mention that we haven't covered or any, anything you want to plug or shout out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, let me just check. I'll check the Discord group just in case people are watching and um, say anything as well. Um, doesn't look like anything important. Yeah, mostly I just want to say, like, firstly, thanks to you guys for having it on because obviously you have like uh, a huge amount of viewers who hopefully uh, are interested and definitely, like I said, the, the key thing that we really want to achieve as well is is raise awareness. And like in the um, the news, views, and gossip thread, which is an unfortunate place to to spend time on two plus two, but sure. I've been trying to keep up with it. There's what is like anywhere? A lot of, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people actually, I think the, the main, the main account is the Nick Airball fan club. Uh, so it's topically relevant <laughs> to you guys as well. Sure. But yeah, he's been, uh, saying like, oh uh, yeah, like why should the rest of the industry care about what the high stakes players want, etc.? Um, like I'd like them to get fucked. They're also predatory, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like obviously all the high stakes players, like I was playing short, uh, small stakes four, four years ago. Um, and like the reason I spend so much time on this is because I have a vested interest myself as well. Like I have like a small stable, I have players playing all websites. And if the precedent is that the sites can just put the rake up and the players don't react and just keep playing, um, it's like, uh, it's only going to end one way, right? right. Like um, GG have like spent loads of money on acquisitions. They've done all these overlay series, et cetera. They're like, um, they've like tried to really capture the tournament market because that's where they believe the, the bulk of the, the recreational players are. Yeah. And at the moment, the tournament rake is low on other networks, but like, it, is it going to stay that way if players, players are completely like not sensitive to the pricing? Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a case of like, 
you shouldn't care about the high stakes regs because the high stakes community is the easiest to organize because it's the smallest. Uh, so if, if if they kind of stand by and don't do anything, it's going to set awful presidents lower down the um, lower down the tree, I guess. So yeah, it's yeah. just my my pitch to knit to the Nick Airball fan club, I guess, or the two plus two accounts that are mad. I, I, the, I think I think you're spot on there. In this instance, change is going to come from the top, and that's true of our community. What uh, you know across the board, it's why Daniel has such a powerful voice when it comes to organizing the WSOP, and it's why uh, you guys are going to be able to move the needle here at GG. I think. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the one last thing I'd like to add. Um, I'm not going to say any names, obviously, but like I think for the GG reps, um, like like I said, one one person in particular, I'm sure eventually I'll be able to mention publicly is like gone above and beyond to help us. Mm. Um, but like I understand that everyone has to make make cash or whatever, but like most of the guys who are sponsored by GG were promoting them whilst whilst it was like a great site to rail, like beatable games, etc. Like they have enough money i would assume um and for them to like if they made their their fortune so to speak playing poker and now they just kind of stand by and let a site uh ramp up the rate to levels where where it kind of does does kill the game in the long run especially if the trend continues across other formats and just not say anything i think it's a bit disingenuous really um so like i guess i would, i would like to see more interaction from the gg reps on the matter like i don't know if, if they're not putting pressure internally to to increase it um, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I I did reach out to Daniel, and he just told me to basically stand by. So um, I it, it's it's clearly a discussion amongst them uh, internally. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that they're trying to get their messaging together, and also I imagine it has to do with the fact that you guys are still uh, kind of negotiating terms in some sort of capacity. Um, it, it doesn't really help to send a message through your ambassadors. That may ultimately end up changing two days later anyway yeah yeah it makes sense and like i said don't i don't know what's going on in internal discussions uh it was more just initially obviously to right to, to kind of get the more support would have would have maybe been better but yeah i understand obviously yeah that's fair well thank you so much for joining us this was really enlightening uh, i appreciate you always uh being open for reasonable discourse and uh kind of cluing us in what's going on in the high stakes community online uh best of luck moving forward here if obviously if there's anything we can do to amplify or uh get the ball rolling in your favor don't hesitate to reach out yep no worries much appreciate everyone and um thanks for all the help thanks george thanks thank you so you ready to play some 100k on gg or what well yeah, I'm, i was mostly like thinking about at the same time when people take the approach of why do you care about high stakes it's very quick to forget that most of the people that are in high stakes did not start at high stakes most of them, really, at least after a certain amount of time. Yeah. You start from playing small stakes. Like Linus even had that two plus two thread where he had a bankroll challenge at 100 and out. Yeah, yeah. And then move on years later. Now he is open sitting 100K. Yeah, there's a handful of those guys. Doug obviously has that similar story of, you know, having gone busto at small stakes and then made the rise through the ranks. Seaver has spoken out about like how he used to just battle his way through the lobbies and things <laughs> of that nature. The issue is, is that um, I think the question of like, why should we care about high stakes isn't from the community standpoint or the player standpoint. I think it's from the operator standpoint, right? And George did a pretty good job of uh, outlining why they should care. Bringing in these whales, uh, just like any other gambling entity, uh, is very important to your liquidity pool, even if it is kind of getting sucked up to the top a little bit because you keep those games healthy, which means you keep the, the games below them in the ecosystem also healthy. You don't have guys who are capable of beating 10KNL playing 1KNL. 
or 500 NL, something of that nature, right? And that's really important, I think, to a sustainable ecosystem. Um, and maybe that gets a little bit overlooked because my initial knee-jerk reaction to this is all, it, it's not that high stakes doesn't matter, but my initial knee-jerk reaction was, bro, they're not going to care. Like, they're not going to lower the rake. They're just going to tell you to go bug off and they're going to wait for other people to fill your seats. Um, small but, community. It is a small community. I didn't realize quite how small, and I, I think that that's a little bit uh, nearsighted on on uh, as a knee jerk reaction, whether uh, it's just mine or it's shared by the the actual uh, site itself. Big picture, like these guys matter. They have you know seven, maybe eight figures in liquidity tied up on that site. Yeah, and also if and you're raking it, yeah, and when you look at sort of potentially the network that George was talking about with the high stakes guys lower where George works with bit B mm-hmm. and now when people from bit B get better and go from small to mid to high stakes, now you're not getting their action either. Right. So you're kind of stifling at the top, which then leads people. That's a really key. Too. That's a really key point that enough or most sites I'm sure aren't aware of is that the CFPs and the, the stables are really the backbone to online poker in its current form. Whether you're talking about MTTs, low stakes, mid stakes, or high stakes cash, in some way, shape, or form, these CFPs and stables are going to have a huge impact on the overall liquidity at whatever stake you're looking at, whatever game format you're looking at, et cetera, right? Because they are the game starters from the professional standpoint, right? And they're looking for ecosystems where they can not only just win but put in volume and in order to put in volume it has to be sustainable so whether we're talking about that being rake traffic uh volume uh, of games running what what have you yeah game integrity what have you all of that is going to point to the site that wins and checks all these boxes right it's still predicated off of the high stakes that's the that's the template that's easiest for them to get correct because it's such a small pool to make happy Right. You know? It's almost like, well, we already talked about the disalignment of player and operator, but when you look at the environment as a whole, and let's say the highest stakes you had running was only one table, mm-hmm. and then the regs on that table stopped playing because the operator moved the rake up, right. and now you don't have that game anymore. Like Looking at it from the very small sense and then kind of branching outwards is sort of how you want to look at your entire structure as a Agreed. whole. Agreed, yeah. Um, and I think Card Rooms uh, Live do a good job of this. Like When Airball and I were shopping the match around to places to play... Uh, everybody gave us their private rate, which is basically $200 a half, $400 an hour. And it's like, okay, to secure a table, like that's what it's going to cost. And we're just like, fuck man, that's 50K in rake that we're going to pay each. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, 40K uh, that we're each going to, 20K each that we're going to pay over 100 hours, right? It's like, plus add in tip. So it's going to end up being like 25K when it's all said and done. It's like, well, that's that's way too fucking much. And like, you know, he tried to shrug it off and be like, oh, you're going you're gonna to penny pinch the rake or whatever. It's like, bro, that's a lot of fucking money. That's, uh, that, that's like over 50 big blinds, 63 big blinds that you're just taking off the table from each of us. You know what I mean? It doesn't just hurt you. It hurts both of you. Right. It, it hurts everybody involved. It's like, it's silly to pay that whenever we can obviously get a cheaper rate. We could just play a non-private table and pay like one third or one quarter that cost. And very quickly, like everybody that we were speaking to was willing to come down because they understand that this is, not an opportunity for them to make money, but instead an opportunity to fill an otherwise empty table and bring attention to their room, right? Uh, and, you know, we started with Resorts World and I, I, I've so far enjoyed it there, but like, you know, there's a good chance that we play some at the Bellagio and 
perhaps some other places around town, just simply due to the fact that we like all of these rooms and they're all willing to work with us. Yeah. And regardless of not for call it personal gain from Gigi's standpoint, but taking the time to negotiate and go through these things in order to have that infinite gain mindset to make the players on the other side happy while keeping their business afloat is a really good look in my opinion. Yeah. Because actually trying to make a change that when you get feedback depends what the ultimate outcome is obviously right sure if it go if it if it's successful and if they say like fuck off and no one else plays anymore then we'll sort of see what happens but it's been very easy for high stakes guys to move action as i've seen the acr lobbies get bigger as well yeah well that's that's the thing though it's it's only easy within a certain amount of boundary like his point to stars and party is that you just can't get money on there and i know that that's been a problem for a long time i remember uh pads tweeting that uh he was like game selecting uh certain tournaments on those sites because he couldn't reload and there was this fear of like going bust though if you're just gonna fire this really good 10k and not cash it you know what i mean um so yeah i mean there, there are definitely some hurdles that online uh faces right now and uh i think that it's gonna come it's gonna take a cooperative effort between both consumer and operator in this instance to kind of shake off the rust get it right you know go through some trial and error together and figure out what works best for everybody as a whole. But like, yeah, to your point, like the fact that they're communicating is a great first step. Whether, you know, they tell them to fuck off ultimately or not is to be determined. And fingers crossed that they don't because it's nice to see a precedent set where operators are willing to work with their consumer base. Yeah, I'm sure people were mad when Stars took away their stuff, but Stars didn't care. Right. They were just like, okay, yeah, SNE is gone. Yeah, and like if they had been willing to have open discourse, the ultimate result wouldn't have made it any better. You know what I mean? Like them still just ultimately saying like, fuck off. Wouldn't I have been like, well, you know, at least they heard out our complaints. So really actions are going to speak a lot louder than words in this instance. Uh, and, and you know, for what it's worth, like I know I keep doubling back to what I know best, which is the live realm, but the, the operators in the live space by and large, especially when you're talking about the high stake level are really, really receptive to feedback. Whether you're talking about Aria and the high rollers that they run poker, go, uh, in coordination with Aria, the win and all these amazing events that they've put on the WSOP, they're always super receptive to hearing what the loudest voices in this community who are kind of speaking on behalf of everybody have to say. Now, does it always result in what we want? Not necessarily, but it's a hell of a lot better than them just ruling with an iron fist and us taking it uh, or us having to take it or leave it because what doesn't work in this, uh, in this arena, as we've seen year over year, decade over decade, is forcing us to speak with our wallets. And it's just as simple as if there are no better alternatives, the only option then would be to leave. And most people don't want to leave. So they're willing to take the worst of it when it comes to still being able to ante up and actually play in a game that they love, right? Uh, Which is unfortunate because a lot of times we'll take the worst of it when it comes to high rake or it comes to unfair games or whatever the case may be. But uh, I think for online, they have a lot more leverage because they can just go play live. This boycott situation is kind of prisoner's dilemma, isn't it? Where there's a couple of people, like George was saying, that are just playing games now, even with the rake being higher. Yeah. And when the games run, I'm sure they're really, really good. Right. Because there's still like VIPs and stuff gambling. But also at the same time, it's the very short-sighted money now. I and mean, yeah. also get the benefits from money later because if negotiations yeah. do happen and stuff comes back around, they still made the profit in this situation as right. well. Right. He said it's only like four or five regs at this point. So you're talking about like 5% of the overall player pool. Um, but to your end, if like there's an influx of recs now all of a sudden because 
that was Gigi's plan all along. I think it becomes a little bit difficult now if you are the 45th best reg in that 90-man chat to not just be like, well, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm just going to make money now and yeah. like just be done with this. You know, and like as each and every one of those guys uh, stops holding out, the the boycott does weaken. But to his, you know, to his credit, so far it's been a, a tremendous success and the first of its kind. It's really hard to fucking do, and it's a lot of work. And we just haven't seen a successful started. boycott in in poker ever. Um, that's gonna do it for us today. We appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion about Rake online poker and its future. Uh, don't forget, we do have an academy this weekend. I believe we still have one seat, uh, but maybe not. I'm not sure. One seat. Uh, okay, yeah, we do have one seat. And then we also have the MTT Academy uh, right before the WSOP. That's May 25th through the 28th, I believe. 24th. 24th to the 27th. I was close. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, head to academy.solferwide.io. Click the banner above. You'll be able to get more information on it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be joined tomorrow by Jeff Platt and Brent Hanks. We're back. In the wow. building. They're going to be back. Straight off of 10th place. We're seven. here. Seven. 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 Don't, seven. Don't, don't, don't. I saw the man short. I'm so Good job, upset. Jeff. Nice run. I'm, go, I'm so Jeff. upset. Uh, I'm not going to be able to be here tomorrow. Uh, and I feel like I haven't seen Brent and... and Plat in like a month, yeah. but uh, I haven't. Have, I have faith that you guys are going to hold it down. You're going to, you know, you're going to talk airball all day long. I'm sure uh, we're going to get to the bottom of all this shit. We'll be uh, announcing the winners too of the NCAA tournament. Correct. Um, I know. I think the actual oh. winner had reached out to me. So just tomorrow, we're going to let everyone know about the prizes and uh, go from there. Oh, sweet. Sounds Thank like you guys so much. We'll see you all noon tomorrow. Peace. Later.